Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yak Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track monitored accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. Based in Santa Ana, California, Biolano Power provides the highest performance lithium-ion phosphate batteries for the marine market. These batteries are one quarter the weight of sealed lead acid batteries, provide over 2,000 to 3,000 charge cycles in a 10 plus year service life. These batteries can be used for any deep cycle application, including running fish finders, trolling motors, live wells, and LED lights. For more information, visit BioNOPower.com. That's B-I-O-E-N-N-O-P-O-W-E-R.com or contact dealers nationwide welcome to the paddle and fin podcast network this is the final cast segment with your hosts brad hicks and josh eldridge where we cast our final opinions on all products good and bad welcome to the final cast you're listening to the final cast on the paddle and fin podcast network i'm brad and I'm Josh. And today, this episode, we got a returning guest, Mr. Uh, Glenn Young from Z-Man. Welcome to the show. The fish rock star himself. Indeed. Yeah, you can see I got the uh, instruments of uh, rock destruction hanging behind me there. <laughs> <laughs> I see it, man. I like it. Heck yeah. He's, well, he's, maybe if we're lucky, Glenn will bust out a solo on our asses later on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I saw you, you got a new guitar recently. I did. The other yeah. Day. yeah, yeah it, was, um, I, it actually even surprised me because I have quite a few. And, um, you know, and of course, the main thing is, is my wife's like, really? Do you need another guitar? Do you really need another guitar? Like, well, what kind of question is that? I don't have one of these. Yeah, I don't. I don't have this guitar. <laughs> but this one was actually kind of the last couple I bought have actually been justified. One was uh, it was a Gretsch semi hollow body. I've always wanted one, and mm -hmm. uh, great guitars, and they were actually on sale. So I was I was able to get a good one. I uh, got a good deal on it, and I sold off one of the other ones I had to make room for it. Then the uh, the one I just got, we were actually down in Beaufort, spending the day down there, and we went down to Bluffton to hang around a little bit down there, and I just happened to mysteriously find a guitar store there uh, that we stopped at. <laughs> Walked in, started looking around. It was funny because they had all these beautiful acoustic guitars hanging there on a the wall, and my wife looked at the one that I ended up buying, and she's like, ooh, that one, that's a really pretty guitar, and I instantly saw a green light. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, because I actually did need to upgrade my six-string. The one I had, I've had for like 33 years, 
and it was cheap when I bought it. It's not, you know, it was hard to play. It was a workout. You'd have to mash the strings to make it sound good. And I've always wanted to replace it. And this was my opportunity. So I ended up getting a, a new Ibanez acoustic instead. Well, it was sweet. There. And then came home and immediately sold off the Fender Avalon. And got a there new you go. Contest. We can, uh, we can relate this to fishermen, uh, because we have so, like all the rods in our arsenal and we have wives out there like, you really need another rod? I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you always need another rod. Come on. <laughs> always. What's funny is I think it gets to the point to where when you show up with a new rod, do they really notice? You know, I mean, if there right. just happens to be another one hanging in the garage, do they yeah. really pick up on that? Especially, yeah. When you have a ton of them, like, yeah. It's they, it's when it's no, in the shipping really tube. This new seven foot two medium light. <laughs> the only time they notice is when you they beat you to the house and that giant shipping tube is sitting in front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't hide it then. No, you can't. In fact, I had uh, many many years ago. Um, gosh, it's probably been at least 10, 11 years now that this happened. Um, I had. A buddy of mine, this was like you know, after I left the pier fishing Shakespeare days, and I just started with Z-Man. And one of the guys I used to work with at Shakespeare moved over to Quantum Zebco. And I was talking to him, and he goes, hey, do you need some stuff? I said, yeah, because I got rid of all my old stuff. I didn't want it in the garage anymore. He's like, okay, yeah, I got you covered. And I just happened to go on a road trip right after that. And I get a call from my wife. She goes, did you order something from Quantum something? And I go, <laughs> No, why? She's she sent me a picture of a pile of boxes on her front porch. Wow. I mean, it was a stack of rod boxes and real boxes, all this that's, stuff. I mean, it was incredible. That's awesome. I was like, um, she said, did you really need all this stuff? Well, yeah. I, mean, I got rid of all my yeah. old stuff, didn't I? So I had to get some new stuff. Yep. <laughs> Understand yeah, that. I guess. That's too funny. Yeah. I mean, I well, can walk in with a with a new rod right now, and I don't think anybody would know if it was a new rod or not. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, same here. And my rods is like, when did you get that Saint Croix? I don't remember seeing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's what it's when your other uh, significant other fishes too that that you're in trouble. Right. Because <laughs> then they know. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Exactly right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we brought Glenn back on to talk more Z-Man products. Uh, last time we had you on, we talked Ned Rig, uh, history of the Ned Rig. Uh, yeah. This episode, you, well, since then, you guys have released a ton of other stuff, so we want to get into like the Willow vibe. Josh wants to talk about the Baby Goat. Um, right. Uh, the uh, Cross-Eye Chatter Bay. We'll get into all that, so mm -hmm. where do you want to start? Um, well, I mean, I can I can start with the Willow vibe. I have one sitting right here. Um, because these are all out and available right now. So the Willow Vibe is, honestly, this is one of the most unique chatterbaits I think I've ever seen. And this was developed by the same guy that developed the original chatterbait, Ron Davis. He came up with this design. And what it's meant to do is to give a very rapid vibration. And it does. And it's super intense. The first time I threw this, I was out in the kayak and I decided to just kind of chuck it behind me and just troll with it. And it was mm -hmm. vibrating into my chest because I had I had really? my rod kind of sitting across me, you know, like this across my chest as I was kind of like paddling and trolling. And, and I mean, it was vibrating into my chest. It was wow. super intense. Really? So, yeah. I mean, it, it's really cool. So it doesn't take anything to get that little blade moving because of its shape immediate vibration as soon as you start to retrieve it it's super super rapid vibration and the profile is it's more of a, like a finesse profile you can see it's, mm -hmm. it's got you know the kind of it's the eye strike design it's got the uh, the the moon eye design uh, on the jig head kind of a finesse style smaller lighter wire hook and then that thin blade on there and one of the things you can do too is if it starts to write up on you a little bit on a fast retrieve you can actually bend that blade back just a little bit. Mm. And if you do that, it tends to keep it down a little bit better. So you do have options to modify it a little bit depending on your retrieve speed. But the thing is, this guy pairs so well with so many of our other little finesse baits. So one of the things that you can put on there, um, I've got one of our little 
uh, mini streak 375s here and I'll rig this thing on there and you can see that profile right there. Oh, nice. Yeah, fits it perfectly. So it's really made to pair with a lot of our finesse baits that we already have. So it'll fit these. It'll fit like the three inch slim swims really well. The three inch slim swims is deadly on the back of this thing. Um, and it'll even fit some of the minnows. The three inch minnows will fit mm -hmm. really well on this too. So it all depends on the type of a profile that you want to put behind it, but it's incredibly versatile. It really is. And I've been fishing it a ton. And we've been seeing a lot of people catch a lot of different species on this, you know, mm -hmm. just bass, but a lot of crappie, a lot of walleye, things like that have been caught on the willow vibes. Um, in fact, I, interesting place that uh, kind of surprised me was we had one of our pro guys out on the Delta in California said he outfished the other chatterbaits using the willow vibe. Really? On the California Delta. Yeah. And that's not something I expected to hear, you know, with that bait only because, of, you know, I think of it more of a, finesse style not you know a big noise yeah. maker like the jackhammer or anything else so super super versatile little bait really effective um you can also put the baby goat on the back of that too that looks pretty good yes yeah, that that and uh, uh what are the what are the grubs called the little three inch ones you guys came out with just recently uh the three inch i thought they were three inch or maybe uh maybe it's just called the grubs well, yeah we just have we have the grubs we have them in uh in two, two and a half, and uh, three inch. Okay, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking of. I right. I've right when I saw that willow vibe, I'm like, I need to throw one of those grubs on that. That looks amazing. Yeah, the grub profile works really well on the back of that because that tail tends to stretch out mm -hmm. behind that bait, you know, and really kind of give it that long fluttering profile. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it really looks good on that. Then one of the things that we did, we also came out with, and this actually. This whole technique was kind of a player. I don't know if you guys um, paid attention. You probably did. You know, recently on the Tennessee River Elite event, um, our pro, Jeff Gustafson, won that event. And he won it with a finesse technique. And he won it with a technique that's called moping. Um, there's actually a video on that. They call it moping in Canada. It's basically a Demiki rig. But they call it moping up in Canada where Jeff's from. And they've been doing it forever. It's, you know, it's an ice technique. It's a vertical mm -hmm. jigging technique. It's something they've been doing for a long, long time. And the finesse eyes is one of the things that they rig them with. So it's basically, it's, it's one of our, you know, large oversized eye jig heads. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is they're pairing that with a scented jerk shad, like a four inch scented jerk shad. And they're fishing it on a vertical presentation. And that's basically what Jeff did to win that event. He had spots where he knew the smallies were held up. He's the only guy actually in that event that targeted smallies. Mm-hmm. Really? It was kind of a, yeah, it was a last-minute call that he made. He originally wasn't going to do that, but last minute he kind of figured out a spot where he thought they might be, and he went and he used his electronics, discovered they were sitting around these little rock piles near this one area where there was kind of a seam line and then a drop-off, so it was a perfect place to channel bait. And so the smallies were just stacked up in their ambushing bait. So he was able to spot them on the electronics and drop his little moping technique on top of these smallies and limit out every single day of that tournament. Wow. So what yeah. kind of action was he getting on using that style? What, like, what was the, I see he's vertical jigging. What, what, what was the profile looking like? That it was actually very little movement. I think a lot of people really overwork the, the vertical jigging. You know, they use a big mm -hmm. rod action and then try to drop it. And the thing is you have to remember is when you move your rod tip, you know, this much, you move your bait that much. I mean, it's right. just, you know, there's a huge difference between what you feel and what your bait actually does in the water. Yeah. And so Jeff was using a very, very subtle motion down there. So he would drop it down there and just suspend it where those fish were and kind of use like a short little drift technique where he would kind of drift it near there and it would get near a rock where one of those smallies was sitting waiting to ambush something. And then he would just give it a small little twitch and that's really all it took. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. And the thing is, you know, with the Tennessee River, a smallie has to be 18 inches in order to be legal there mm -hmm. for a tournament. So he's catching nothing but 18 plus inch smallies <laughs> all day on this technique. And that is the only technique that he employed was that. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realize that's how he was doing it. I think I saw the video of him uh, catching one of the bigger ones. Yeah. Now that you and mentioned that's it, how he was doing. He was doing it on that moping technique, and so with the finesse eyes, 
we do them in a variety of sizes. We have a really good little finesse size here, a little tiny one. So we go from really, really light ones. I think this one is the, uh, this is like one twelfth ounce. So very, very light, very small profile. We use the same keeper that we use on our finesse rooms. Mm -hmm. We'll debate on and the same thing. So it's the same type of a profile that if I want to put a, um, one of our little street three, seven fives on there, it's a perfect profile for that. And he was using the larger sizes with a four inch jerk shad is what he was throwing. So, he was oh, okay. Yeah. Throwing the four inch jerk shad. So I don't know if the listeners, you might've missed it or not, but Glenn just mentioned, uh, this guy dropping the swim bait or, uh, uh, streaks is that what you said mm-hmm. yeah he dropped vertical dropping on on suspended fish yeah so uh, that's where finesse fishing comes into play if you see suspended fish on your graph drop shot or do something like that you're going to catch a fish absolutely that's the thing i think that's kind of where jeff had an advantage because he grew up doing a lot of finesse fishing i mean he's really mm-hmm. a finesse guy um, he really kind of burst onto the scene um, in tournaments, and his big technique was the Ned Rig technique, and his favorite bait was the hula stick. Uh, and that's kind of what put him on the map was that. So he's always had a great feel for something like that, where a lot of those power guys, they're just not comfortable doing that. They don't have the patience. They don't have the touch to find a group of fish like that that are suspended, knowing that they're going to have to make a delicate presentation in order to get them. These guys yeah. just want to pound the bank, power fish, throw big jigs, throw, you know, throw chatterbaits, things like that is what, what they would rather do and just power fish and cover a bunch of areas. But Jeff really had it dialed in. Hmm. He found his fish. He knew where they were going to be and he knew exactly how to get them every single day. And he was yeah. able to pull five keepers every day and he ran away with it. So, you That's know, there's awesome. that finesse right there um, on that street 375 again. So you can see what a great little profile. That yeah. Is. And it's a really attractive profile. It's a good-looking head. It's a good-looking bait combination. And yeah. so it really makes for a good vertical presentation. Yeah, you can see where that bait would shine with just, you know, barely of a twitch of the rod tip. Like, you it know. It doesn't take much. I mean, yeah, you know, no, not at all. Suspended, I mean, any little movement at all, the tail's going to bounce and vibrate. So it mm-hmm. doesn't take much, you know. But a lot of guys are, like, whipping it up out of this site and then dropping <laughs> it back down. And, That's and me. Really, all they need to do is just suspend it. And just leave it right there and just suspend it and just kind of give it a little bit of action. Make it move a little bit. That's all it takes. Yeah. But, you know, so many people just overwork their baits so badly. You know, you don't that's me. Do that. <laughs> I, got, I got, well, I got to remember that. You you mentioned like barely moving the rod tip. You got to remember that your line moves a lot. I, I got that it stuck does. in my head, though. I'm going to remember that. Get well, better at it. My biggest problem is kind of the opposite. I'm good. I can slow down and have the patience, but my big problem is is that a lot of times I have trouble figuring out the depth of my lure. So like, you know what I mean? Like that's that's like tricky. That I, like there's times where I'm like, "All right, I think I have the good, you know, a good enough weight on there and either I'm still too high in the water column or I'm digging ditches in, you know, at the bottom so that's it's something i need to work on you know it's it's just i don't have like such an extensive amount of terminal tackle that you know what i mean it's sometimes i find myself stuck i'm like oh if i just had this you know this weight i think i'd be sitting pretty but nope here i am clunking the bottom or, or floating like you know halfway through it's um it's it's fun to learn that stuff though i'm glad you shared that because it goes to show that you know, like you said, there's a lot of people are usually fishing way too fast, especially when it comes to even like finesse fishing, because finesse fishing, you know, is something that you can do and you don't even realize that you're going too fast with it. Like, you know, there's somebody was telling me about a guy out on um, our local river, Brad, who just fishes um, Senko's out there Mm. and kills it when we're all throwing swim baits and throwing this and throwing that. And the dude's like, seriously, this guy literally throws it out there and lets it sit for minutes on, on end, you know, and like, and he gets, and he catches big fish. He's just patient enough to let that fish come, you know, find it. And, um, but it's a good point to make Glenn. There's, there's a fine line, honestly, Josh, between, you know, picking the right jig head size in order to do that. 
you know, in a situation like Jeff was in, he was in pretty heavy current, you know, and so he, in order to keep his jig head in place, he was having to use three eighths or half ounce heads just to keep the bait in place and in order to control it at the depth that he wanted to. When you're fishing in a lake situation, you know, you don't have to go as heavy to get down. Mm. And I think that's where sometimes people that make that mistake, a lot of times in a lake situation, people are picking too heavy of a jig head. So they're throwing it out and it's just rocketing straight to the bottom. Yeah. There's no control between when it hits the surface and when it gets to the bottom. It's just a straight drop boom. You have no choice but to fish it on the bottom, period. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you can lighten it up a little bit, you have to play around with it. And I think one of the best things to do if you're not used to doing it is, you know, go with some of the lighter weight heads. I mean, really test yourself. But I think what the important thing is before you make that first cast with a super lightweight jig head, drop it next to your kayak and count down until you can't see it. Get an idea of what your fall rate is. So that way, when you do cast it out, if you know you're in six, seven feet of water and your fall rate is a certain speed, you know how long it's going to take it to get to the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, right. So if you can do that and you can count it down, it's like, okay, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, now it's at the bottom. All right, great. So now I know I can throw it out, and maybe at about a count of four, maybe I can start my retreat. Mm-hmm. It's not and that's, quite at the bottom yet. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of what I did. I'll count it all the way down. Yeah. So. And that, that's kind of what I do with the Ned rig. Uh, I, I tend to go with the fifth ounce. And mm-hmm. uh, when, when I'm fishing deeper spots in the river that are around like 20 feet deep or something, 15, 20 feet, I've come to the conclusion that with that and the TRD on it, it gets to that depth in about two seconds. Yeah. Which is, it's pretty quick. And yeah. I, I, I always want to be on the bottom with it. So. Right. And in a river situation, you have to, you're not, when you're dealing with heavy water, deep water like that, you're not dealing with fish that are suspended five, six feet up off the bottom. Of the right. A lot of times they're glued to the bottom. They're sitting behind rocks, things like that. They're catching current breaks when and where they can. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to be just suspended in the middle of a fast seam line. Yeah, yeah that'd be weird. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, it, it's, it is one of those things. So, and that's where, you know, your fifth ounce comes in handy. You've got fast current deep water. You need it there. You have mm-hmm. a target zone. You have to get your bait to the target zone as quickly as possible. You don't want to be counting it down. Oh, it just drifted past my target zone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to get it to where you want it as quickly as possible. Now you deal with shallower water or you get into some of the side channels or things like that off of those rivers where it's a little bit more shallow. And maybe you do want to ha- use more of a swimming retrieve in those situations. Maybe then you would lighten it up to a 10th ounce. Yeah. Or you your yeah. fall rate a little bit more. You can still fish it on the bottom if you want to, but you're not dealing with as much current now. So now maybe you can lighten it up a little bit, go to a 10th or even a 15th. Mm-hmm. And fish more of a retrieve style, more of a swimming, kind of a jerking with your rod tip type of a style to mix it up a little bit. But right. The deep holes, you want to go with a heavier head, get it right where you want it now. Yep. That's exactly how I do it. Um, Let's get into the baby goat. I know Josh wants to talk about it. So. Or the goat. I mean, the goat. Yep. Period. The goat is the, goat. It's the greatest of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Tom Brady wanted to sue us, but we're like, no, dude. So. <laughs> you, you just got. You guys are. This is. You guys are like. Let, let, let me send you some of these. You'll understand. <laughs> yes. Tom, before you get carried away, fish that. Right, just just fish it, okay? Have a problem. Yeah. Now this, I mean this this is the regular goat here. This is the goat three seven five, and the the whole series was made to be a really super versatile series of baits. I mean, you can literally do about anything with this. You know, the baby goat is a great little Ned rig profile. And then you can, and you can also use it as, um, you know, a trailer on behind any of the smaller finesse jigs. Like, you know, our power finesse jig, it's a great little trailer behind that. Our micro finesse shrooms jig, it's a great little trailer behind that too. Or you can just fish it by itself on just a standard Ned head. Um, and one of the things we came out with too recently that you can rig this thing on is, um, if I have one in front of me here, I can dig one out of my bag, but we came out with a Nedlocks EWG. So mm-hmm. it's a, um, it's, it's the same head style as what we have on Nedlocks, but it's on an EWG hook with the, uh, with the keeper on it. Mm-hmm. And so that way you can rig up the baby goat 
completely weedless if you want to and still fish it on a Ned style or you can even use the finesse bullets if you want to. But when yeah. we did the uh, the Nedlock CWG, let me see, let me bear with me. Let me dig one out. Those uh those Nedlocks, they they bounce off rocks nicely in current too. They I like do them. and I think you know the nice thing with the Nedlocks is it's just a good um, heavy duty hook. You know, it's what a lot of our guys switch to when they want to, you know, fish a Ned rig in saltwater around here. Mm-hmm. Popular thing to do here. We got a lot of guys that love to fish redfish, speckle trout with Ned rigs and really downsize with that stuff. Um, and that's really what the Ned locks comes in handy for is doing that. Yeah. Cool. Oh, we're still. I make. I'm. Uh, I'm pretty stoked about trying that EWG out. I, I'm a huge fan of EWG hooks anyway. So. Me too. The more the more weedless I can make a presentation, the better. So. Yeah. Plus the, those things, I'm trying to find it. Oh, here it is. I'm going to pull it up on the screen because I, I think you guys released this this past year, right? We Since did, the last yeah. time you were on. Release. Um, yeah, that's right. I saw that. I'm like, oh, yes, I need some of those. Yeah. I like how small and compact they are. It is, you know, and it's when you design these things, there's a very fine line between trying to get the hook gap right, but also getting the length right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because most of the ones that we've seen attempted by other companies, the hook shank is too long. It goes mm-hmm. too far back into the bait and completely kills it. And that's what you want to avoid. Yeah. You want to still have some some bait hanging out the back side of that thing so that you're not, you know, completely killing the entire action of the bait. So, right. you know, here's um here's a baby goat that I have right here. This one's rigged up on the uh on the finesse bullets and I'll take that one off and I'll put it on the, the Nedlocks EWG, which I have right here just to kind of give you an idea of how well that fits on there. And that was kind of the premise behind that. We wanted um, that Ned style head, but we wanted to be able to accommodate any of our current Ned rig baits with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's a big plus for me. I know, I know for uh, sure. Some... Oh, there it is. So it's on the keeper right there. So it's not going to come off. And then you can see where this, where the hook, where the hook is on this. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. See how much bait you still have on the back. Yeah, yeah. So I still have plenty of action back here. I haven't killed anything with this hook, but right. all the gap I have left. So there's and, still plenty of gap on here, and that's what I want. I want plenty of gap to hold my fish on to increase my retention rate, but I want lots of action behind that bait. I don't want to kill it. Just sacrificing mm-hmm. action just to get a wider gap. Yeah, right, I think this thing just turned out perfect for that. Right, so and any of the Ned rig baits will fit on that. And I've used some of the other uh, brands out there that uh, uh, their EWG, and I I just don't like the length of the hook. That's that's the biggest thing for me. The majority of them are just too long, and that's yeah. because they're using the hooks that they have available. We had this hook custom made for us by VMC. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. They make a good hook. Well, yeah, they do. They make a very good hook. You know, and the thing is, you know, I came from the hook industry. And so I kind of understood how everything works and, you know, the the right way and the wrong way to design a hook for a particular type of bait where you mm-hmm. don't get a certain amount of gap, but you still have to be able to uh, accommodate the action of the bait. So here's, you know, just regular TRD, and I can rig this on here, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about, where this once it's rigged on here i still have plenty of trd behind this thing see how much bait i still have behind that yeah that's that's awesome okay there's a lot of action still there Mm -hmm. you're not going to get if you lengthen that hook any more than what this one is no but there's my hook point too my hook points right there it's ready to go so i have that i've got plenty of gap left over so it'll accommodate any of them you put the trd bugs on there which is a thicker bait I still have plenty of hook gap left over. Mm-hmm. I still have plenty of action behind my bait. And uh, so that's really what you want to look for when you are trying to rig something weedless like that. And you're trying to Texas rig something. You really don't want to kill the action of the bait. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. There, there's a fine line there because, you know, when you deal with saltwater versus freshwater, you're dealing with saltwater fish that like to eat things head first. And in, fre- in freshwater, a lot of times they come from behind and take it back there where that's where you run the risk of getting short hit, you know, 
sometimes mm-hmm. in fresh water where we don't really deal with that as much in salt water just because mm-hmm. the you know the way they kill things is completely different <laughs> in fresh water they tend to come in from behind and they might short strike things yeah yeah i got you chew on it like you always see bass like home spit it out yeah bite it spit it out bite it spit it out like yeah and you don't you don't really see a redfish do that so much they pretty much just inhale it like i don't i don't know when my next meal is coming let's just make this happen i don't even know what i just put in my mouth but i don't care where's the next one (laughs) uh another good uh uh point you kind of made was uh the the length of the bait and you sent me or yeah you guys released a video today on hacks and i i watched it uh stretching your your trds to make them longer yeah and if you want a longer profile more action you can stretch that and you'll have yeah on those little uh nedlocks yep you can do that um so what it does i'll see if i can take this one back off of here um so what the stretching does, so if I take this, just this regular TRD here, the stretching does a couple of things. Um, it fatigues the material a little bit, so it makes it softer, a little bit more porous. But the other thing that it does, though, too, is it releases some of the salt that's in there. So when you mm-hmm. get TRDs, um, some of them have maybe a little bit more salt that you want in them, and they're not as buoyant as you'd like them to be. By doing this, kind of rubbing it, stretching like that, you can take some of the salt out of it. And in the process, that also kind of fatigues the material a little bit. And now it's a little bit longer, but it's also a little bit softer and more buoyant than what it was right out of the package, too. So it's one of the ways you can kind of modify some of those baits that right out of the package may not be as soft as you want them to be or may not be as buoyant as you want them to be because of the Mm -hmm. salt content. And so that's something you can just fix and just, you know, take the salt right out of it. It's salt (laughs) falling over my lap right now. <laughs> but but you know now look at the bait can you see that it's, it's oh yeah a little bit yeah more looking than what it was before yeah and yeah. i can see you just like holding it too like you can tell that it's you know definitely more pliable it's got more a little more action to it now and right. yeah so that's that was one of the little hacks that we did um was that and we did it with the big trd you can do it with the regular trds a lot of people do it with the with the regular trds um, just to make them a little bit softer and more buoyant mm-hmm. um, than mm-hmm. what they are right out of the package. I usually let the fish do the work for for that <laughs> after I catch about thirty of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. By then it's now, he means it's when he got stuck in a tree and he sat there and yanked it out for ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. Back over it with his truck. He's like, I'm going to do that, man. I'm just trying to make the action on my bait better. <laughs> Hey, on purpose. I, I actually tow my trailer with Elastic. <laughs> then by the time you get to your spot, it's all ready to go. It's all stretched out. Yeah. But you didn't explain you it. Know, that is one of the things that Ned Cady noticed with our material, and that's what turned him on to it. Um, when he first found the zinkers, and he cut one in half, and he noticed that the more he used it, the more fatigued the material got, the softer it got, the more buoyant it got. And the more beat up it got, the better it got. Yeah. You know, it was one of the things he picked up on. And that's kind of what started the whole ball rolling with all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I like that whole story. It was a good episode. Yeah. yeah it's a fascinating history, too. It really is. Yep. And, you know, an old Ned still out there fishing all the time. And yeah, I found ways to modify baits. <laughs> yeah. I found him on Instagram recently. Started following. Yeah. I was like, cool. He's a social media wizard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's <was> awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's he is a national treasure if you ask me. I mean, that guy's awesome. Oh yeah, still I, I agree. It all the time and still catching fish, still taking baits that he asked us to make and then cutting them up to make different. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. He's just like, why didn't you just ask us to make this? <laughs> <laughs> like, Ned, why did you cut that up? That's you told us to make it that way. Okay. He's just always tinkering. He's always yeah. playing around and always coming up with something different and always playing around with different designs. And um, I think you saw in one of the hacks in that video that we just released today, for those who don't know it, we just released a uh, video. It's on YouTube of seven Elastec hacks. Um, so just different ways that you can rig and modify Elastec and things you can do with it that you really can't do with other materials. Yeah. And one of the things that we did in the video was we rigged a Tickler's backwards 
Oh yeah. And so the tentacles were out, and then we took one of the tentacles and put it over the point of the hook as a weed guard. Yeah, somebody told me about that. Who yeah, that was, was it? Actually, a Ned idea. That was one of his little clever huh. things that he came up with. I saw you guys posted it uh, like a month ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah, we posted it a couple of different times because it, it always gets a lot of different reactions. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, I saw that. I was like, never going to throw that. <laughs> I would throw that. Heck, yeah. that's genius. <laughs> well, and here's one of the things we didn't put in that video clip was there was actually, and this is, you know, this goes back to how detail oriented a lot of these finesse guys are. Mm -hmm. They actually studied the fall rate of it rigged this way versus rigged the standard way. And it actually fell over 60% slower when it was rigged backwards. Really? Yes. It actually oh, slowed the fall rate down. That's interesting. Yeah. Brad, think, have you thrown those yet? Have you bought any yet? Yeah, I have some ticklers. Okay. I was just, yeah. I was wondering because I remember when we originally talked about it, I don't think you had started throwing them yet. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's like, that's one of my favorite net baits. So, I think yeah, I've more, uh, one of the more versatile ones. You yeah. gave me a pack of them, the Blue Claw. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I started throwing the TRD bugs late, uh, recently, too. I love that guy. I do too. This is a good little bait. So here's, um, so here's, I've got the, uh, the OG shrooms and I'm, I'm going to rig one of these for you backwards. So I can show you exactly what we're talking about. So, um, see if I can get this line up here. So I'm going to do this up here. So basically they, they rig it backwards with the tentacles out this way. So I'm going to rig it here, pull it up onto the keepers and then what they do is they'll take one of these tentacles right here and then stick that tentacle into the hook like that. <laughs> so there they have. That's cool. The setup with the tentacles out front. I mean, it's just kind of a bizarre little profile, but hey. it's different and it is kind of weedless and you've got the tentacles out front here instead of in the back. And so it's, it's definitely something different. That the do you know what it looks different. like? It looks like a grasshopper or something like that to me. <laughs> it actually kind of does. does. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why they eat it. I don't know. <laughs> I honestly haven't tried it yet. That's interesting. It wasn't yeah, until kind of you fun. pulled like, the tent. Cool, yeah. yeah, the two tentacles when you did that, I was like, it just looked like a freaking grasshopper or cricket or something <laughs> weird. Because then it had like the curved leg up front, yeah. and I was like, yeah, I yeah, get it. Weird, isn't it? Yeah, that's 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 funny what people can come up with. It is blows my mind. Yep. It, yeah, we've got a lot of creative fans out there, that's for sure. Yeah. It, the one that stuck out to me was uh uh instead of using the glue to hold your uh, bait onto the keeper, you're bending the uh elastic over the eyelet of the uh yeah. ball ball head jig or whatever you're using. Okay, so I've got uh, I've got this one right here, so I can probably do it with this one. So basically, what they're doing is they're taking the uh, they're taking a hook. Basically, you usually want to debarb it first. I haven't debarbed this one, mm -hmm. and they're just they're grabbing a little bit of that elastic material right there, and then what they're doing is they're putting that over the hook eye, like this. If I can get this on there, and then releasing it. It's hard to do without my cheaters on. Come on, there you go. Come on. Yeah. You could probably put it over the whole jig head too, right? If you wanted to. Well, you could. I mean, if you wanted to grab, I mean, I could grab a, maybe a thicker piece of this and then drag it over that. Yeah. But it's it's definitely a weird little trick, and it does work. I mean, it does. Once you get that on there, I mean, it does hold the uh, it does hold the bait in place. <laughs> I'm gonna have to try that. I mean, like I said in the video, I mean, it's one of those things we prefer to use super glue if we can, but if you don't have any super glue handy, this is definitely one of those little hacks that, that works. Let me get this on here. I don't think the hook eye sticks up enough. I think that's the problem. Yeah. We did it on our trout eye heads. I can grab one of those instead. Oh, that's all right. I think we under when you did that, you showed exactly kind of what needs to be done. But uh, and, and what was the uh, purpose of that? Just to keep the bait pinned down? Yeah, just 
gets to kind of lock it in place. Yeah. Um, you know, because I mean, honestly, I mean, super glue works best. You know, I mean, if you have some, you know, some Loctite super gel, that's always the best thing to use. Yeah. Because um, it works better with our materials. Some super glues will actually eat the elastic away. Mm -hmm. Um, but Loctite Super Gel doesn't seem to do that. It seems to uh, really work well with Elastec. And one little drop up near the keeper, and it tends to hold it in place pretty well. Um, this guy here. So this one might look a little bit better. See if I can grab some material here and uh, pull this up over the head, here, over the eye. Oh yeah. Yep. And voila. So now that you've got that piece right there and it stretches up over that and then it holds that in place. So it's not going to be able to go anywhere. So that's that's kind of the cool thing about that little technique is yeah. If you don't have any glue and you really need to hold it on there, you can just grab a bunch of that material with the hook and put it right up over that eye and that's it. And see, I that's a that's a fantastic idea cuz one of my biggest complaints throwing exposed hooks on like swim baits and that sort of thing is my baits riding up or, you know, riding off the back of the, mm -hmm. of the hook. And it's just super, fr yeah, frustrating to sit there and push down. And then you kind of like, you start wondering, like, is that happening mid cast? You know what I mean? As you snap forward, is that thing just, you know, like automatically back there? You, you can't see it, you know? Like, yeah. The only time it happens, what we found through extensive research is that only happens when you've made the best cast of the day into the one group of fish that you're going to find that day. That's typically when your bait is going to foul or come off the keeper. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. The rest of the time, it's usually fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Funny how that works. Isn't that amazing how that works? I mean, how many times has it happened? I mean, everybody out there has had that happen. Yeah. Like, oh, there they are. There they are. And you make that one cast and you can see the bait in the air, either a helicopter or something You're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> And, you know, like, it's like it hits the water and a fish are like, ah, just, like uh -huh. yeah. well i do that with normal cast I'll, I'll get it into the perfect spot and then not realize that there's a log underneath the surface of the water and i get snagged i'm like <laughs> come on that usually happens with very expensive baits we found yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I, my buddy my buddy mike right now he's convinced he could go throw the original chatter bait and fish it all day long and the instant he picks up his uh his jackhammer he's gonna get it stuck within 15 minutes <laughs> that's the worst man i've lost i've only lost one but i was so mad so i'll show you another trick this one we didn't actually film um but this was one that um i actually saw in a video from one of our customers in russia actually came up with this and i don't know if this would with this was vodka induced or what but it was actually a <laughs> really clever idea to put a little bit more tension around the offset. So like when you have a standard offset hook without a keeper on it, sometimes it can be hard to get the bait to stay on that keeper without sliding down. And what this trick, what this guy did is so he took the material right here and what he's, what he's going to do is he takes it and he twists it like this, right? Oh, wow. Then comes back and after he twists it, then he sticks it on here and then rigs it up onto the offset up here. Now there's more material grabbing onto that offset because he twisted it around the hook. So you that, that he puts it on there, then he's got it so that it doesn't slide down off that offset as easily as what it did before. Right. Right. That so kind of takes sense when you see it. It's like, okay, so you twist it around there. So you're basically wrapping some elastic around that hook and then sliding that up onto the offset, and it just mm -hmm. rips it that much more than if you didn't do that. Yeah. That kind of takes place of a screw lock kind of. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't really need the screw lock if you're doing that. Well, I mean, you can't use a screw lock with this stuff anyway. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, yeah, but, I've tried. I mean, it's not the easiest thing. It's like the chin locks and stuff like that, because you know, you really need a legitimate keeper with yeah. elastic in order to hold it on there. But you know, by being able to do that and put some extra tension on that and then mm -hmm. stick it on there. So now I've got a little bit more tension on that offset so it doesn't slide down it's actually grabbing a hold of it more than what it did before pretty clever idea i thought i thought it was very unique yeah that is a good idea before, you talk about screw lock style i tried to do that on one of the uh, wicked willow uh swim bait hooks <laughs> oh man 
Yeah. It's not easy to do that with any Z-Man product, man. I'm sitting there like pressing as hard as I can. I'm like, I think it's literally just doing this. It's just wrapping around. <laughs> That's all. That's it's that. And then as soon as you let go, it just comes Yeah, back. it just comes around. <laughs> I'm like, I think I made it a half a turn around the spiral. That's funny. <laughs> it is yeah. the most impossible bait put on those things the only ones that honestly work is if some of the screw locks that have a centering pin on them oh yeah. it does it it still doesn't it's, it's still hard it's yeah. still hard to do that it's... i mean really you know i we always tell people look you just don't need screw locks with elastic this yeah. right was invented to hold plastisol in place yeah it tears so easy and so this doesn't tear you don't need the screw lock yeah. You just need a standard Z-band offset or one with a keeper like a chin locks or like the uh, must-add grip pins, mm -hmm. you know, to hold it in place. I mean, that's really all you need. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, as far as jig heads, just any regular jig head with a standard barbed keeper works just fine. Just pull the material up over the keeper and you're good to go. Yeah. You know, the screw lock was designed for other stuff. And there's ways you can make it work. You can take a lighter and you can heat the screw lock up with a lighter and then it just melts right into the material. Yeah, works great. Try doing that on a windy boat. Yeah, or a kayak. Or a kayak. Man. <laughs> Wind and kayaks. Then you're sitting there, you drop it and burn a hole through the kayak and <laughs> Lo Looney Tune style. You got like a, a fountain coming up the middle of your kayak. <laughs> like lighter, hot lighter stuck to the side of your leg. That guy's with a blowtorch. What are you doing? I'm just trying to rig a swim bait, man. Yeah, man. that's funny. Z-Man stuff's too good. <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. So what else yeah. we got? Uh, cross eye chatterbait that caught my attention recently. Yes, we do have that. I want to know the difference between the cross eye and say a jackhammer for instance i have seen the cross eye in the store and it's funny like the way the eyes are crossed it kind of kind of reminds me of like a cartoon character it, it, it's funny yeah i bought i bought some of the jigs cross eyes jigs have that have that look to them they all have that mm-hmm David Walker's uh, kind of his calling card. I've got a few of the cross eye swim jigs. I like those. They're great on swim jigs. They really are. Uh, here we go. Too many boxes sitting here. <laughs> There's a panel out on the crate for today's event. So, right, so here is. Oh, that's the elite fire call. Ouch. Here's one right here. All right, so I found one. All right, so this is the cross eyes chatterbait right here. So I have one right here, and you can see it's got the uh, um, the heavier blade on it, and mm -hmm. that's one of the things we did. And you can see the wire weed guards on there. That's one of the things that makes it different. These are adjustable wire weed guards, so I can spread these out if I want to. They're made to deflect off of timber. A okay. little bit better than, you know, say a brush guard would. Um, and it also allows you to get a little bit better hook set in there with those flexible wire guards in there. So it's really kind of made to be one of those chatterbaits you just don't want to be afraid to throw it around timber or wood. And the other thing with this is if you look at the head shape of that and compare it to the head shape of a jackhammer, very similar in shape. Right. We wanted that because we still wanted to be able to skip it well. And that head shape tends to hunt a little bit better um, than some of the other head shapes. So it's made to have more of that kind of a hunting action. And that was kind of the premise behind that head shape design was that we wanted it to hunt a little bit more. Uh, so there's there's that. There's the weed guard, um, heavier blade right there. It has the standard clip on the front like the jackhammers do. The keepers on this, it has both the lead and the wire keeper. So it has both. So you can see... Uh, right here, there's the lead keeper, and then there's the wire keeper right there. Mm -hmm. So once you get a trailer threaded onto that, uh, it's basically not going to go anywhere. So between those two keepers, once you thread a piece of elastic onto that, it's pretty much on there the rest of the day. 
And you can see I've got this one paired up with the goat. Okay, yeah, that looks real good. Yeah. And it, the the tentacles don't stick too far past the skirt. I like that. Yeah, they don't. I, this is the 375, and I think that's what makes that 375 so versatile is the fact that you can throw it on so many different swim jigs, so many different chatterbaits and stuff as a trailer, as a regular jig trailer. I mean, you can basically throw it anywhere. That's right, Ralph. So um, you can basically throw it on anything as a trailer, but it looks really good. So that's the cross size, um, and it's it's a little bit um, less expensive than the jackhammers mm -hmm. are. I mean, these come in around ten dollars, so a little bit more cost effective. We have an O'Shaughnessy bend hook on this as well, too, instead of a round bend like you see on some of the other ones. That was one of the things that Walker wanted was that O'Shaughnessy bend hook on there. Very, very sharp, good thin diameter for good hook sets. Um, and what we also did, I don't know if you can really notice on this one, but it's a pretty thick skirt. Yeah. We put a really mention. thick skirt on this. We wanted a very thick profile on this one. Um, just by, because of the nature of where it's going to be thrown and stuff. So we wanted a thicker, heavier profile. So this has a lot more strands in the skirt than, say, the jackhammer does, which is a little bit more sparse than this one. Okay. Yep. So cr cross-eye for wood and jackhammer for grass. Yeah, and, and open water, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, if you want to throw something around cover, I would throw the, the cross-eyes mm. um, out of the Project Z with the weed guard on it. Um, well. Either one of those two, but... The the Project Z with the weed guard is a completely different action than you know than a cross size because the head right. shape is completely different. The vibration is going to be different. Um, you know they're two completely different animals. Um, yeah. And so this is you know this this is one that I would really want to throw if I'm throwing around timbers and laydowns. This is really what I want to throw. Well, looks like I know what I'm going to go get at the store <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow probably. Yeah, and of course we make um, it in fire crawl, which is what everybody seems to want anymore. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Yeah, we yeah. did the uh, the elite in uh, fire crawl too, and the yep. original. So we uh -oh. fire crawl now too. I remember this time last year when when the pandemic hit, those fire crawls were so hard to find, oh, and everybody was like buying them up left and right. I I made a post. I was like, "What's harder to find right now, the fire crawl jackhammer or toilet paper?" <laughs> <laughs> and they're like oh that's a tough one <laughs> yeah if you really wanted to make money during the pandemic you could be selling toilet paper and fire crawl jackhammers yeah you yeah. can one stop shop yeah well i mean it really took off because it was a major player at the classic yeah that year you know we were at the classic i mean that was the last public event we did before everything got shut down was that and so we were there and of course the fire crawl jackhammer was a huge player there because it's muddy water in the time of the year it was mm -hmm. and everybody was throwing it and because of that suddenly you couldn't get them yeah the guy the guy that won it won it on a fire crawl didn't he he did yeah yeah i remember yeah. that that's fun that's funny funny how that and works back, just about everybody out there was throwing it and we only sponsored a couple of them yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> It was insane. I remember, like, I remember you couldn't find them, and then people were trying to sell them super expensive. And then, like, the funny thing was, is like, if you found somebody who had it and you didn't buy any within 20 minutes, they were gone usually. Yeah. It'd be like, oh, we've got seven in stock. And you're like, cool. And then you go take a leak, come back, try to buy them online, and they're gone. You're like, what? What just happened? Like, <laughs> That's it was insane. Nuts. It was it really insane. Was. It was crazy. It was almost like the the original chatterbait craze all over again. Yeah, like it was it was to the point that people were making posts when they got them. Like that's what was making me mad. I'm like, stop announcing it on Facebook. Let me search and find it for a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a we had a post. It was like I think a bid got up to 110 bucks on one. I was like, come on. Wow, man. that's crazy. That same bass would have eaten any of 50 different things if you're trying to try 110 bucks on a fire crowd jackhammer. Right? Yeah. Hey, that got that has to make you guys feel good though. Oh, we love it. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> right. like it. You know? We just we think it's crazy, but we still like it. <laughs> no, it's crazy, but it's, it's always nice to be the prettiest girl at the dance. Yeah. <laughs> we want to see the people riot. <laughs> <laughs> we do. That's funny. Yeah. Yep, we want to go into the middle of a big bass bass weigh-in and chuck a fire cry jackhammer right into the middle of it and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Total pandemonium. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's nuts. And we, you know, and honestly, we still can't catch up with them. Yeah. We're still not caught up. I mean, we yeah. have shipments coming in all the time. Each shipment we have come in, I look at how many we're getting in versus how many are sitting there on back order and it's still not enough. Mm. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. It'll I mean, be whole, like, that. it's going to be like that for a while, you know, it will, like, you know, it, it will be like that for a while. Yeah. It's uh, I haven't, I haven't even seen one yet. Like in person, I I've, I, I think I've, I've got a couple friends that might've had them, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But like uh, my, uh, feel and stream here, who was where I was getting jackhammers from, uh, when the pandemic hit, they did not get any more for quite some time. Cause yeah. everything was so slow, you know, everything slowed so far down. They were like, we didn't get the ones we ordered last time we think. And I'm like, but uh, you know, I'm also talking to somebody. I don't think they really had a clue if, if Phil and stream really ordered Jag hammers or not, you know, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was months before they had any in stock, any Jack hammers in stock. So mm-hmm. I think it, you got, you had people coming in back into fishing who probably been out, out of it for a while. And then new people, you know, everybody's trying to get outdoors and everybody's getting introduced. Yeah, introduced to this new thing called the jackhammer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly, man, that's that's kind of what's kept us just going crazy right now. We just cannot keep up with it right now. Um, I will say that we're probably doing more than most other companies in our category to meet the demand. You know, we've more than doubled our employee count since last May. Awesome. Um, we've added another 20,000 square feet of warehouse space. Um, we've, we've been running three shifts on our plant now for since last year. Wow. Yeah. You know, running 24 hours, 10 machines. I mean, um, we've been increasing the amount of packaging facilities we've been using, the number of home workers we've been using. Uh, I mean, we've been going out of our way to take as many steps as we can to improve things. Internally, mm-hmm. rather than, well, this is the most we can do. Hope we catch up. Like, no, yeah. we're, we're going after it. And we're doing everything we can to meet the demand. And it's showing. We're seeing a lot of stuff. You know, we're, the back orders are getting lower all the time right now. Mm-hmm. Stuff every day now, which is great. You know, but it's something we've had to do. Nobody anticipated this. Yeah. You know, yep. When the first everything shut down, we're like, oh, man, this is going to suck. All the shops are closed. Nobody's selling anything. And then suddenly, I mean, we were literally just getting hundreds upon hundreds of orders a week pouring in, and we weren't fully reopened yet. Yeah. We had to shut down here. You know, when South Carolina shut down, we had to shut down for about a month. Um, And then when we had reopened, we had to do it slowly. We had to do it in stages. We had to make sure that we had a safe work environment. We weren't just going to throw people out there and see what happened. We could only run a few people in the warehouse run a couple of machines. Let's see how it goes. And this kind of slowly start to ramp up. Well, what we're trying to slowly ramp up the rest of the fishing industry is just going absolutely bananas. Mm-hmm. You know? And suddenly everything's just coming our way. Yeah. Cause it's like, they all of a sudden were like, Oh yeah, we're going to open up, you know, the stores can be open, you know, there's going to be limited hours, you know, that kind of thing. But I mean, I remember going to field and stream um cabela's and i'm like it's insane like i'm like it's insane like how many people are over here on a consistent basis like you know there was one day i was at phil and stream and they were like you know letting like you know people in as people were coming out and i remember trying to i was looking for a reel for one of my buddies and he they literally hardly had any fishing reels Mm. And the one that he wanted, I was like, hey, they have the uh, floor model. And the guy's like, yeah, it's regular price. I'm like, how are you going to sell me the floor <laughs> model? Regular price that everybody's been picking up and probably dropping and banging against here. And mm-hmm. so you don't buy it, somebody else will. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So my buddy ended up getting a Barbie combo instead. Yeah. <laughs> I should have. I told him to deal like, with it, man. It's oh, get. this isn't Fluger? Oh, uh, sorry, bro. <laughs> Well, I've been looking for, I've been looking for a uh, Shimano Curado for a while, and I, I keep hearing they're back ordered until August. So I'm probably not going to get one anytime soon. Probably not. Probably not. I mean, that's right now. 
the thing that I, I don't think a lot of people understand is how broad based the, the effect was from the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how many different industries it affected that kind of uh, lead to what we do, you mm-hmm. know, the raw materials and stuff, the, the shortages of hooks that we couldn't get the, the lead that we couldn't get because lead was being allocated to ammo manufacturers, you know? So we were delayed in getting jig heads. I mean, there was mm-hmm. all these things that were going on that, you know, that affected our industry mm-hmm. you know, that a lot of people don't understand the fact that, there was stuff that, you know, that we get from overseas and a lot of people would get from overseas. Well, they, there at any given time, I think even still off the Long Beach port, there's a backlog of at least 50 ships waiting to get in to check in stuff. Yeah, They've been wow. sitting out there forever waiting to get stuff to port. Yep. You know, That's little a- things like that just caused these massive chain reaction delays in the supply chain that it affects everybody. You know, yeah. I think the one advantage we have is, you know, on the plastic side, we control our own destiny. We produce mm-hmm. our own material. Everything's made in-house, you know, so we don't really have to deal with as many of those, you know, supply interruptions on that front mm-hmm. as, you know, we do with jig heads, chatterbaits, things like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's been a problem because a lot of our chatterbaits, you know, we assemble them in-house too. And, well, somebody else has, we don't do the lead pouring. That's done by somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, suddenly they get backed up or they can't get hooks. Well, they can't get hooks. They can't make heads for us. And, mm-hmm. So then that causes another delay. You know, so there seems like there's always something, you know, going on. The little things that are out of our control that affect whether or not you can get that Corrado that you've been waiting for. Yeah. You can't do it because probably the material that they need to make some of the parts isn't available or the factory that makes some of the gears or whatever that has to go into that. They're busy making something else right now. Yep. That, we're, we're in a plastic sh- shortage for uh, the kayak industry right now as well. So Yeah, they are. They're, uh, they're saying kayaks are going to be hard to find after June. Well, there was, a, there was, I read this recently. I guess there was a fire at a BASF plant in Germany that provides one of the key chemicals that plastics manufacturers have to use to make their material mm usable they had to shut down the supply mm. that's crazy so, I mean, that hurt everybody that uses any type of a plastisol pvc material or anything like that it affected mm-hmm. all of them mm-hmm. and so that was you know that's kind of a big deal i think of how many things are made out of plastic not just fishing worms oh yeah, yeah. there's a lot of stuff out there construction I mean, industry for instance but, you know but there's a lot of other stuff that gets made out there yeah mm-hmm. You know, there's little things like that. And, you know, that's when the average guy, he goes to his sporting goods store and he goes there and looks and he doesn't understand why there's so many empty pegs. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're, we're a little bit, we're a little bit better off now than we were, but oh, I'm still, better. I'm still waiting on the uh, Willow vibes to show up in our shop. <laughs> you better tell them to get on it. We're shipping them. <laughs> I've got them in stock, man. Yeah. I'm going to have to order them online games. probably. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool. I think we're winding down. Sounds good. Um, Glenn, I want to say thank you for coming back on, man. You've always, you're always really outgoing. You know, anytime we've asked you to come back on, you have no problems doing it. I apologize to you for having to reschedule last week. Um, I had an issue with the kids. So, uh, but thank you for, you know, taking the time, come back on the episode, talk about Z, man. It's always a blast talking with you. We always have a good time, man. I always have a good time with you guys too. And um, one nice thing too, is that I actually have been doing a little bit more fishing lately. So it's actually nice. Awesome. I've been hitting a lot more salt this year than what I have in the past. It's been good. <laughs> you need to start your own podcast too, by the way. <laughs> I don't want to compete with you. I wouldn't stand a chance. <laughs> no, I'd be, I'd be a big listener. Z, I, Z-Man podcast. There you go. Z-Man podcast. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think uh, my last saltwater journey was one that, um, I almost didn't make it back from. So. <laughs> well, we'll have to have you back on to tell that story then. Oh, that was a doozy. Just kind of picture a miniature version of Deadliest Catch. <laughs> you know, the big waves breaking over the bow and all that. Yeah, it was one of those. Whoa. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's why you made it back. If I don't make it, they'll probably find me because I am wearing a life jacket. That's good. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Good thing well, to wear. All right, Brad, you want to take us out? Sure. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in this week. 
uh, for this awesome episode with Glenn. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Um, uh, yeah, have a good weekend. See ya. Bye. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.